You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell, Matt Adams, I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you along as we preview the Colts showdown with the Baltimore Ravens. 1984 ringing true this week. The uh, vitriol still strong from our friends over there. The Colts the should Coast. show up. They should go get to the stadium in Mayflower. That would be great if you just did that every time. That would be from, a, the, from class the team hotel a trolling to the stadium. Yes. I would love it. Absolutely love it. And, and because I mean, I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up in uh, outside of Philadelphia. For those who have listened to this podcast, know that well. But that that's like the just grinding at somebody else is very much uh, a, a, a northeastern. Like we, we don't bat an eye at it out here in the Midwest. It's a little bit different. There, people are a little bit more friendly uh, for the most part. Uh, but but up there, it, it's that's that that's normal, a, a, and I love it. I, I love going back and forth like I that. I just like to remind them that Baltimore stole Cleveland's franchise. Exactly. So yeah. you know. So yeah, take that. Yeah, what what goes around comes around, folks. So, and Baltimore should be over right by now anyway. They they have two Super well, Bowls two in the last yeah, yeah since two thousand. So so yeah, I, I I I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Anyway, but, but again, it's still the old guard there that will never change. Oh, yeah. And for for as much as he can, Jim Irsay has he always reaches back to Baltimore. He does. Mm-hmm. It's just that there are some people, you know, like if Johnny Unitas was still with us, he'd be giving Jimmy the middle finger because <laughs> he was never get over. But a lot of the uh, you know Raymond Barry, he was like the, the he he flipped the coin at the AFC Championship game, mm-hmm. I think back back in 06. But there are guys, and, and you just realize some guys are never gonna gonna get, I won't say over get past it. And you deal with it. There are things that, that some guys never get over. And, and yeah, we were just talking about one of those uh, just uh, briefly. And we, we won't get into all that. You're not going to mention his name. No, no, no. Yet. I'm not going to get into that. But I was just saying there, there was something else that we were, we were talking about those in a very similar vein that some people on this podcast might already know what I'm referring to. But we're not going to talk about it. Like I said, I'm going to move on. And we actually move on by starting in the past where the Colts have beaten the, to- uh, the Houston Texans this past week. 31 to 20. A win at long last. The Colts' first win since uh, beating the Las Vegas Raiders in Jeff Saturday's coaching debut last year in uh, whenever that was, November. All the, the dates uh, blur together. I believe it was November. That's, there were like seven or eight games so I, I, I was going to tee that up as the world's easiest uh, trivia question, but yeah. I had decided not to. Okay. Pretty easy. Yes. Who was the last head coach to win for the Colts? It you was know, Jeff Saturday. Yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the Colts started off fast. They had a great drive with Anthony Richardson, had an 18-yard touchdown run. It was beautiful, and uh, he's uh, had a quick change with a strip sack uh, from uh, Samson Ebicom, Dio Dangbo. Uh, Pay recovered it, and another uh, Anthony Richardson touchdown run. Boom, boom, just like that. Two 15-plus-yard touchdown runs from Richardson. Looked like everything was going well. But then things ground to a little bit of a halt for a little while as Anthony Richardson uh, self-reported a concussion symptoms, was taken inside the medical tent, tested, failed the concussion test, which means that he is now in the NFL's concussion protocol. Chap, uh, the, the concussion protocol, especially for quarterbacks, has been just under the microscope since it was implemented, but especially since last year with everything that happened with Tua Tungavailoa with his concussions that were not, he was not taken off the field immediately when he was hit when there were some signs out there that there were issues. But with Richardson, he played for two series, went two, three and outs, and then self-reported his, uh, his conditions. And, and things this week uh, have not looked uh, overly promising so far as we uh, record this podcast on Thursday for a potential Richardson return. Yeah, again, him not practicing, 
practicing today is, is not a good sign. Right. No practice Wednesday or Thursday. Just he's out there. He's but, out there watching. But right. it's just in general, it's what, what we've seen it, with concussions, and they're all different. Please keep that in mind. But generally, they don't practice Wednesday, and then they go through non-contact on Thursday, which quarterbacks are anyway. And then Friday, they're out there without their red jersey, and then they're cleared on Saturday, if you can get through that. Not practicing today is not a, a great sign. We'll see. He still he still has time. I I just can't imagine the Colts or any team hurrying a guy through. They, they don't do that. Right. If nothing else, they go. I don't even think it's possible to hurry him through it. Like no, for, you, for, you're right. Yeah. You're, you're right. You you can't give him a cheat sheet on how he deals with his neurologist and all that. So so it, I think it all signs point towards Gardner Minshew practicing. One thing that was brought up and it's I think it's valid is that no one with the team or the independent neurologist looked saw anything with, with, with Richardson in the game. He did get hit pretty good, but what, what it was was his head slamming against the ground. Right. And normally you, 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 people look at the, the, the doctors look at this to, to kind of be cautious if that didn't happen. You know, both he and Ryan Kelly – Mm-hmm. self-reported and whatever that is you know who knows headache dizziness who knows so we'll see where this goes and it's again it's i did a story early in the week on this is is how so many of these are different and i went back and looked from 2016 26 colts have had concussions in what i would call just a seven-day week you get you get a concussion on sunday then you play the next sunday you know, not Thursday, not bye week, but 26. Only three players have played the next game. I think it was Xavier Rhodes, Quentin Nelson, and he's he's just different. <laughs> and Marlon Mack, a running back. So it doesn't look good. And, and, and maybe, maybe this will take any question from the Colts out of their hands is, let's say he clears on Saturday. Do you play him? <coughs> or, or do you think, no, let's, let's kind of be cautious and, and give him an extra week, but that may not be a decision anyway if he doesn't pass protocol. I, I think that's an interesting uh, topic to discuss. Uh, d- does he, uh, Matt, so I, I, I'd ask your opinion of it but before I share mine, but if, if he does clear concussion protocol on Saturday, because that is possible now. Like you, sure. you need, What you need is a, you need a limited participation practice and technically like the, the main road back is limited participation practice, full participation practice, then clearance by an independent neurologist. There is another path, sort of, that on a Friday you can have a limited participant in practice. Then on Saturday you go through some kind of a like a physical um, like I forget the word, but that th- there is a path forward that you can have some I, I kind think, of a test. I think they put Zaire out there and hit him a couple of times. Exactly. A- and then you see if he has any re- right. residuals. Yeah, it, ha- it has to be Zaire, and it's not going to be like uh, Josh Downs or something like that, right. you know? So, but, 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 but there is a path. But, yeah, there is a path for him to be cleared by an independent neurologist if there's only one limited participation practice on Friday. So I'll say that before I, I, I pose the question then to you, Matt. If he is cleared by the independent neurologist, do you think it would be wise to keep him back? Do you think there's an argument to be had that way or do you not see an argument that way and say if he's cleared play him i mean i I know the guy has been even though he's not been out in the field and getting reps he's still been you know looking at film and and probably studying up for the game but my gut feeling or or what i I would err on that would be this isn't a veteran quarterback who's been doing this for three or four years or or, you know how long and who can just roll out of bed and be fine without practice and and be fine for games he's still a rookie still developing um still young my gut would be to just go ahead and hold him back for the for the week. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I completely get that. And I, 
Like, I understand the, the thought process behind it. And actually, just this week, if you're in central Indiana, I encourage you to watch our football Friday night, this Friday night on Fox 59, 1035, because I'm going to be talking to Will Carroll. Uh, he is uh, at Injury Expert on Twitter. He's written for various publications um, over the years and is, is working right now with FanBuzz. And he has an article out today. Uh, that is talking about concussions specifically and, and is kind of cropping up because of this issue with Anthony Richardson. And uh, Will, Will is not a doctor, but he has been around doctors for a very long time and he knows the lingo and he knows the stats or he knows the science behind it. So he's done a lot in terms of um, relating medical science to the to the fan over the years. That's really what he's been special in doing. And so I'm going to ask him some of these questions and break it down with him. And, and one of the main questions that I think I have to ask is, is there more risk for a second concussion if somebody is cleared, like immediately? Or does it benefit you to, even if you're cleared, have another week, have another two weeks? Like, is there any studies that 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 uh, have dove into that question? Because that is the question that the Colts have to answer right now, like we're talking about. You would think maybe another week with an arm injury or with a hamstring, always with a hamstring, you get another week, you know, you, that, that's going to be a lot better for a torn ha- or a torn hamstring. Uh, as, as Will always says, a sprain is a tear, a strain is a tear. So if it's just a sprained hamstring, another week would behoove you just to make it heal a little bit better. But the hamstring is not the brain. It's a very different part of the body, and that sounds like a really stupid thing to say. But so that's like I said, that's something that I'm going to have to ask him. Like, how much rest is good? How much rest is beneficial? Is more rest like it is for a hamstring beneficial for the brain? So, like I said, encourage everyone out there to listen to us football Friday night, Fox 59, 1035 this week. If you are uh, if you're listening, and we're going to have that story up online as well, fox59.com uh, after it's all said and done. So I, I think that's a discussion that has to be had. If there is any type of research chap that says that. A Another week would be beneficial to uh, uh, to keeping uh, him healthy for the long term. Then uh, then another week put Gardner out there, and I I think the Colts would love to see what Richardson could do against the Baltimore defense because this could be one of the toughest defenses right. he faces all year. You want to get him those challenges in the NFL, but if it benefits him in the long term not to be out there, I think you take the long term view instead of the short term view. Yeah, again. The- the brain isn't the same as your hamstring, but obviously more time is better. It just is. And once you have one concussion, you're more susceptible to another one. So, But like you said, how much time do you need? How much is enough? How much is too much? Nothing's too much, but how much is enough? Another week has to help in different injuries. But Zach Moss, he practiced limited the first week, but he wasn't quite ready. Now, was that was that the – Conditioning or was that the arm? Probably conditioning, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a really good question. I hope Will's got some some information, stats. I'm not sure how you have stats on it, except how long guys have been out and did it. Then how do you know it was beneficial? I, right. I don't know. But you just don't mess with head injuries. You just goodness gracious. I, I, I you know, I, I was here for the for the Austin Collie oh, season, mm. and it oh, was man. scary. It was frightening. When you see a guy frozen on the ground, mm-hmm. it, it's just in, and he still would not retire. He he wouldn't he he people say hey, get, you know haven't isn't that enough protecting from himself and this is that's where the team has to protect the player from himself. But uh, I, 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 I'll be interested to see what Will has to say and and see how he get this going forward. Uh, Ryan Kelly, uh, what was it three or four years ago had a concussion. 
and he missed the last five games. Right. They put him on IR. Mm-hmm. So you just don't know. And then again, you get that, and then you get Ogletree, who went through. He, he made. He was cleared. Mm-hmm. So he he could have played. Yeah. But I I wonder that I'm guessing they kind of kept his long term health into the decision. He did and he didn't play. Right. So Matt, go ahead, Matt. I was I was just going to say one thing that that you know I know no. Ogletree, less than a week, clears the concussion protocol. Just every player is different. Every situation is different. This isn't apples to apples comparison, but we had Shaq Leonard suffer a concussion back on, I think, August the 16th in the joint practice against the Bears. Right. He did not clear concussion protocol until September the 7th, so about three weeks. Mm-hmm. So you have Ogletree, less than a week. You, it takes Shaq three weeks. A little different ones in season, ones not, but still, that just shows you different injury, different players. It just It's going to mean something different for everybody. And that's one of the confusing things about concussions and head injuries uh, as well uh, from our uh, reporter on site at Colts practice no Quint, no Ryan Kelly no Quentin Nelson either uh, he is barefoot watching the offensive line work out there is a Q Q like he goes he does that like for for games he'll go out there barefoot and do like yoga out in the end zone before before some games get them all stretched out kudos to uh, our uh, our videographer Brett Bensley uh, for for that report from from Colts practice as we tape this podcast he's out there uh, getting the lowdown but like the, I, the Medical science has come far in terms of concussions, but like the there should be a push to have it just go further because with the Richardson case, like he he gets this hit and I saw the hit live. I was like, that's a pretty big hit to the head, but he pops right up and he puts puts Mm -hmm. his arms up in the air. He's celebrating with his teammates and he's obviously coming out for the next two drives. So like right now they have spotters. The NFL does to look for concussion symptoms, but if he pops up and he raises his hands, it's not just the hit. Like they, they're not looking for hits are the spotters. They're looking for symptoms from the players. So you get up and you stumble. Right. So you get to, up and to, you're, to you're a frozen. stumble and, and then they, they call it a back injury. And right. That, that and there's that's that there is a problem with that. And I think that's separate from what obviously what we saw with Richardson right. where there wasn't any clear signs uh, that, that were exhibited out on the field. So so there there are steps to take. Maybe there is equipment or technology that can be put in helmets. But at the same time, like I said, like there's just the it seems like the hardness of the hit is not always what determines a concussion. It, like how you get a concussion is still something that's that's up for debate. So you can't just put something in in a guy's helmet uh, that measures the speed or the speed of the impact and say, oh, you have to come out for a play. I don't think the NFL wants to do that. They don't want to pull their best players out for no reason. But at the same time, they want to pull their players out if, if they're. Uh, if they are hurt and if they are concussed. So it's a line that the NFL is trying to tread right now. And uh, like I said, this is stuff that I'm going to discuss with Will. Uh, so I, I encourage everyone to, to watch or to listen, to, to check us out online afterward, because he's going to know, because um, he did some research on this story and he's going to have some more answers than I do right now. Well, and we've seen in practice and during training camp, how the players have the, whatever they're called, the, the blue shield on their pad yes. on the top of the helmet. And I'd like you know, it'd be interesting to ask Will is is how much can you do with a helmet to protect the head inside? Because the concussion is from the sudden stop or, or whatever of, mm-hmm. of the brain right. pounding against your skull. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't know what a helmet does to to stop that from happening right. inside. The brain still is moving. The brain's still yeah. moving. So it, again, but it, but it's all about trying to make an extremely violent sport. Mm-hmm. Safe, no safer. safer. You're never, you're never gonna make it safe, right? It's, no. You know, so, so very interesting, and it's kind, of, it's, it's. I think it's kind of good on one side that that we have these discussions because 
I, I think people just come they, they get numb to what players go through play after play after play offensive linemen you know their heads get smacked every play mm-hmm. every play I go back to again in b- before the NFL really paid attention to these Jeff Harrod one of their all-time great linebackers, he took smelling salts on the f- field with him. Every other play, he would take a sniff because he didn't know where the hell he was. Yeah. So, but they, they, I think they're doing as much as they can. But at some point, I think there's only so much you can do. But uh, hopefully for the best for, for Ryan and, and AR, and they get back out there as soon as it's healthy for yeah, them. Yeah, I think there's only so much we can discuss with this, and that's probably the, the extent of our knowledge on it for now. So we'll move on to some other uh, topics. Gardner Minshew came in, led the Colts to a couple more first-half touchdowns, uh, completed 19 of 23 passes, which is kind of what we saw from him in training camp. The dink and dunk game is strong with as this Rick, one. As Rick Venturi calls him, a singles hitter. Very much. And he, and he is. And you got to expect that. That's what it's going to be. Like we, We've talked the past couple of weeks, hoping to see some more downfield plays. We've asked uh, Richardson about that. We've asked Steichen about that. But this week, if Gardner Minshew is out there – and they go deep uh, once. I would. I, I think you'd have to be thrilled if you're a the, Colts the fan. The over under on yards per attempt is probably six point five. Yep. And I might take the under. And they're they're going to have to get. Yeah, there could you could hope for some catch and runs, whether you get Downs or Pittman, you know, over the middle or Kylan Granson somewhere to try to get them in space because Minshew just doesn't have the the elite arm talent that Richardson does to get the ball down the field. Uh, that we haven't even seen with Richardson really as much so far because uh, other teams have been taking it away. Let them try to make them uh, dink and dunk. And Baltimore, Baltimore's a team that uh, they, they try to blitz you. So if you get the right receiver in the right spot with a little bit of space, they can go now. Like we saw it with uh, with Jonathan Taylor in the Monday night game a couple years ago. We saw Pittman got hit on a deep play uh, from, from you-know-who uh, throwing him the football. And uh, there, there were a couple really good plays in that game for the Colts' offense, but uh, at the end of the game, it was it was the defense that kind of gave things up in the fourth uh, in the fourth quarter. We'll get we'll we'll talk about that more in a second. But uh, Zach Moss uh, coming in for the Colts this past week was uh, was averaging four point nine yards per carry, eighteen carries, eighty eight yards, a touchdown. Uh, Matt, how 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 where does it what does it say about the state of the Colts' running back room? Also, that we uh, we we are so grateful for for Zach Moss. I mean, being out when you've got Zach Moss in there and you're like, wow, this guy has some toughness in a burst. Let's go. Then, then you know, and, and there were still some <laughs> some some rather large holes that the the offensive line opened up that they were yes. not able to necessarily exploit for that home run hit that you're just like, man, if Taylor was in JT, there, JT I think he would have hit had, him. He would have had 150 minimum. So? Yep, but not to be and and what was really odd about that game is only one running back took a snap on offense he took 56 to 57 the other two guys Deion Jackson and Jake Funk they took three combined snaps on special teams right that's not sustainable no no it's not not the same thing and I think the funny the funny thing was uh Zach Moss came off for one play on offense (laughs) and lining up in the backfield next to Richardson or next to uh Minshew whoever it was was Isaiah McKenzie (laughs) and and they sent him in motion right and then there was nobody in the backfield exactly so so that's what that's what the Colts think about their running back room right now it's it's Zach Moss or it's nothing right now uh and uh sorry sorry to Dion um, that 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 first week was just was just so brutal, and he has to earn uh, he has to earn coach's trust back again before before they're going to. I hope out he there. gets a chance, but he might not. But he has to earn it. Like he I said, had, right. like this is but, the NFL. But you only earn it by playing, and you and it's, it's a bad cycle. You know, chicken or egg. How do you earn it? Well, you got to play well, but you got to play. You got to earn it. 
it's going to be difficult. Colts were much better on third down. They were 6 of 12. If you can go 50%, that's tremendous for a season. What were the openers? 2 for 12 12 on third down. And 1 of 5 on fourth down. So much, much better. Uh, Six sacks, nine quarterback hits from the defense against the uh, Texans offensive line that was down four starters uh, that they had projected in the preseason. So, like I I tweeted it out before the game, they have to feast. Like, the defensive line has to feast. They did so. They get six sacks. It was really funny. I I have a friend who, uh, who, who is a betting man, and we were talking about this before the game like both quitty and deforest were plus money to get one sack so it was like over under 0.75 sacks and i'm like dude just put money on both of them you got to figure one of them is going to get a sack and then you'll be you'll be plus on, on your bet and he did that he bet on both of them quitty and deforest quitty had the sack at the beginning of the fourth quarter deforest got the sack on the last play of the game and why did he didn't exactly. they didn't, didn't they spike it or yeah did they, they t- spiked it with like two seconds to go on that second to last play they dropped 10, the Colts dropped 10 guys in coverage. DeForest was the only guy going against five offensive linemen. So you're like, gum, this isn't going to happen. No, still, I'm plus money for the day. It's all good. But then but then they spike the ball. He gets another chance. They chase it down C.J. Stroud. And we're celebrating together like we just won the World Series. It was, fa- it was fantastic. And at the end of the season, when Buck has nine or ten sacks, no one cares that that, that was simply a throwaway nope. sack. It was. No, it's fine. But but it was a great moment for for myself, for my, fr- for my friend specifically, who was the one who was actually uh, putting money on it. Me just celebrating alongside with him on uh, some first from this past week first win for shane steichen and anthony richardson i guess it technically goes to a win for richardson yep. since uh he's just starting quarterback. Gets save there you go yeah <laughs> first career reception for tight end will mallory goes for 43, 43. yards look at that he, he was wide open i could have got at least 30 on that if, uh, if i, I, I could have gone there. for 22 there you go yeah we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll give you that but um but uh, we were saying just a little bit ago like will mallory every time he's been in the lineup has been impressive making nice catches making solid gains i mean that play was easy because he was wide open it was schemed up well there was a breakdown in coverage for for the texans but the other tight ends jelani woods and drew ogletree they i think they really have to be careful i, I think kylan granson has his own role because he's a different type of tight end but those other guys almost a wide receiver yes those other guys have to be careful about will mallory like he's going to come in he, and he has taken advantage of every opportunity that he has gotten so far and he's at that point mike where like you give the player the opportunity and if he keeps delivering, you have to keep him out there. If, he, if he's playing in such a way that he's not letting the coaches get him off the field, uh, that, that, that spells, uh, spells uh, some um, – uh, what's, what's the word? Uh, some Well, it's concern for the guys. Concern is – yeah, it's not the word I was thinking of, but it's close enough for, for those two other guys who are trying to get work into their own roles as second-year players in the NFL too. And, and it's going to be incumbent upon the, the coaching staff to put these guys in positions where you maximize what they do and don't – don't put Dallas Clark out there to, to to block Mario Williams, right? Which the Colts have done before. So uh, that's you know we, we were talking. Yeah, maybe Mo. No, Mo, Mo is a blocker. Mo is a and I tell you, he had that one catch and he he, he looks for contact. Yes, he's like Michael Pittman. Uh-huh. Who, who can I run into? <laughs> uh, but but you've got a role in Mallory's probably a lot more like kylan granson as far as what he does but but he's not granson because of the size and the speed but right you're right you're right you you, you can't you, you need a lot of these guys but you can't have too many of them but it's gonna be interesting to see how the ogletree shlani woods mallory mix works out whether can you have those those three and kylan granson as your four tight ends 
who's the blocker? Right. I, I, and, that, and that's maybe one of these guys develop into it, but, and maybe they don't. Urgency was the word I was looking for, by the way. A sense of yeah. urgency among those guys. It finally came to me. I just stopped talking and let Chap go, and I had to think about it for a minute. But but there it is right there. So, uh, so I, like I said before this season, when, when the Colts kept like five tight ends or six tight ends on that first 53 man, like I want to see a five tight end set instead of a five wide receiver set. I want to see all the Colts tight ends on there at once because I like them all. I think they're all good players. I think they all can, can, can do some damage out there they all have in their roles which is uh what, what what you ask them to do so um let's see let's move on here richardson ryan kelly still in concussion protocol not practicing as of thursday uh they have to go through that whole process to get on the field quentin nelson still out there with his toe injury uh grover stewart and kenny moore were limited in practice on wednesday you can find us on twitter at colts blue zone to follow up with colts news and notes injury reports throughout the week uh as well uh couple, yeah chap one thing on injuries i, I just urge people who listen to don't don't kind of go hyper on Wednesday and Thursday injuries. Just just don't. I think Quentin's going to be. He'll be fine. Last week he was, it was similar. Nothing on Wednesday, limited on Thursday, and he practiced on Friday. I think we're going to see him very limited, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Friday Friday's when you kind of get the idea of who's going to play and who maybe he's not going to play. So they put those out there for a reason. But just just don't pay too much attention to Wednesday Thursday kind of focus on Friday because that tells you everything. I would love to have Quentin out there, Matt, because he has to get used to maybe a new center alongside him too. Like he, he's played with Ryan Kelly for a long time, but if he's going to play with Wesley French, it's going to be a little different out there. And against the Baltimore defensive front where they're trying to blitz in a weird way, like every other play, it seems like this is like, I would want him out there, but at the same time, like you, you don't push Quentin to be out there at the same time. If his toe is, is hurt, you, know, like you want him to be at his best on Sunday. That's the main thing. It would still just make me feel more comfortable if he was out there. Well, and, and maybe that also plays into the calculation as to whether you put Anthony Richardson out there you know if, if Quentin's not able to go and Ryan Kelly's not able to go at center eh, maybe that's not the time you want your rookie quarterback out there either some more roster notes Arlington Hambright signed uh, to the practice squad after being elevated to uh, to the practice squad after he was elevated to the 53-man roster played a lot during the preseason he did yeah he quite a bit he was their swing tackle really or their backup left and tackle. then he played guard yeah exactly um so uh then Dakota Shepley signed to the practice squad he had been with the team during training camp another that, guard that could be a Kelly a Kelly exactly. insurance Just thing. Insurance That's kind of what I was thinking, too. Yep. yep. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, news this week across the NFL before we get into our preview for next week. Uh, definitely uh, in line with our, our own Mike Chappell's expertise. Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame has announced nominees for the class of 2024. Our own chap here, one of the voters for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, in terms of Colts, there's a, a slew of names possible among the 173 nominees for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis there, of course, as well as Jeff Saturday, Bob Sanders, Pat McAfee, and Mike Vanderjat. Uh, Wayne and Freeney were among 15 finalists last year. Was Robert Mathis a finalist two years ago? No, he's, he's never he's been not, a finalist. He's okay, he's it. never made it quite that far uh, yeah. in, in the process. But also among the 15 finalists last year who are nominated again are uh, Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Patrick Willis, and Darren Woodson. So nine guys back. They had five guys who were elected to the Hall of Fame. One player went through his 20 years of eligibility. He's he's out of the top 15. And those are the uh, the nine total players uh, who are who are back as who were finalists last year. Now, first timers. These are guys getting thrown in right away who have the possibility of being elected in their first year. You have uh, wide receivers Brandon Marshall and Jordy Nelson, tight end Antonio Gates, running back Jamal Charles, offensive lineman TJ Lang, Josh Sitton and Max Unger, defensive lineman Haloti Nada and Julius Peppers. 
Chap, you look at this list right here. It's not exactly murderer's row in a first-year group. There might be one or two that have given serious consideration as first-time uh, uh, electors to the uh, Hall of Fame. But, uh, but, but your, your first impressions on seeing this list and how guys like a Reggie Wayne, a Dwight Freeney, a Robert Mathis fall in there. What I saw was that J.J. Watt came out and endorsed Freeney. He'd Freeney. Freeney a big he said, endorsement. I can't believe he's not in there. Well, yes. last year was his first time. It was. So... But, you know, and Freeney didn't get in last year. I thought he had a chance after when we were having our discussions prior to our voting. But DeMarcus Ware, was he's really good. Yeah. And hopefully that Dwight will get more push than a Julius Peppers, although they're both really, really good. The thing with Reggie, he, he's been a final 15 guy four years in a row. It's just right now we've got a long jam at receiver. It, it's Reggie, Andre Johnson, and Torrey Holt. And we, I tell you, we've had long discussions. <laughs> you have the same discussion every year. And it's like I keep telling Reggie, I said, God, I wish you could give me another thousand-yard season last year, so I've got something else. But it's each now Andre Johnson. I, I could go on that. <laughs> You're on wait, record. <laughs> wait, wait your turn. Tory Holt and Reggie, they they're both have, four years. Yes, as they've been finalists. They yes. are both very similar. I could argue strongly for each one in different ways. Reggie, the, the longevity and all that. But we, as, as a group of 50, we have got to find a way to get one of these guys in this year, one of these guys in next year, and then the next guy. And if we do, if we do it by how we've done it, who's been waiting longer? Well, then Torrey Holt gets in next. Because right. he, he's been eligible a few more years than Reggie. I was livid uh, last year when Andre Johnson, two years ago, when Andre Johnson leaped above, above both of them. That's just crazy. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you look at the quarterbacks he's had thrown. He just looks like a Hall of Famer, right, oh, Chad? Oh, boy. I was <laughs> really. A, a quote from another How many guys uh, have we elector? seen in the locker room that just looks like he should be a player? And Mike Strong looks like a Hall of Famer. Yeah, well, there, see there. So, we'll see. Reggie, Reggie will get in. He doesn't want to hear this. He will get in. Uh, it's it, just painful to hear that because it was yes. like Edge with the same thing. He was like seven years as a finalist yeah, or something and, ridiculous. And, Ed, and Edge was finally, he'd say, you know, I, I'm tired of waiting. But then once you get in, no it doesn't one, matter. No one cares. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so we'll see. They'll get in. If I had to guess, if I had to just throw a dart, I, I think Farini has a chance this year, a good mm -hmm. chance. Yeah. And then one of the receivers, Torrey Holt, and then Reggie next year. But I'm going to, I just, I'm pushing hard for Reggie this year because doggone, the numbers are just there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's always the thing. Well, you know, he was on that team with Manning and, how can you have all these guys on a Hall of Fame from this team that only won one Super Bowl? That's just that's garbage. So hopefully they get in. But and one other thing is 173 names. And if you look at the names, you're going to think Hall of Fame. This Some guy. of them are not. Well, but the thing is, anybody I could have named, and this isn't a dig. I could have named Ryan Dean, to, and his name would be on the list. Right. So you put anybody on, and then that we then we cut it to uh, 25, and then you get the riffraff out of the bar. And, and then we cut it to 15 that we vote on in, in, in January. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but people shouldn't get bent out of shape that this guy or that guy's on the list of 173 because you just have to have your name nominated mm -hmm. to be on there. Now, Matt, Matt, you watched the Colts, obviously, growing up, too, as a Colts fan. Like, th these are guys that, that are near and dear to your heart. But but of those guys, Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, if you could pick one of them to go into the Hall of Fame, I'm curious who you would take. 
I'm probably just going to go Reggie. Yeah, I, I just I loved watching Reggie play, and he meant so much to the franchise because not that the other guys didn't. I'm not. Of course, I'm not, I'm no. not saying that. But you know, when they kind of cleaned house after they they got rid of Manning and they drafted Andrew Luck, they kept Reggie around, and he wasn't just kind of this piece that they had that stayed. He was a productive player for them, and he helped them have success on the field. Well, and I will they, always remember him for they that. They knew his value to Andrew Luck. Yeah. Yes. It was because it, go back and remember it was either resign Reggie or Pierre Garcon. Well, Pierre had the the upside. Yeah. He was younger and he had he had some pretty good years with was it Washington? Washington, right? Yeah. But Reggie, he, he was uh, security blank is not the right word because that's doesn't give him his due. But they knew Reggie's value to the rookie quarterback. He'd be there where he's supposed to be when he was supposed mm-hmm. to be. And you remember, and Reggie's talked about he went to Luck and said. You take care of your business. I'll take care of the offense. It, it'll be my offense, and when you're ready, you come to me. Mm-hmm. That's just invaluable. Yeah. So, he, he sort of bridged those two eras of Colts mm-hmm. football, and, yeah. and for that reason, special place in my heart and a lot of fans. So uh, that's, that's why I'd like to see him get in. I'll, I'll explain a couple of these first-timers that I think have a chance. I think the two that have the biggest chance are Julius Peppers at defensive end and Antonio Gates at tight end. Yeah. I mean, those are the two names that jump off the page to me. Uh, Peppers has the fourth most sacks all time. But it's, so the question is going to come to the to the selectors, to you, Chap, and everyone else. Is it enough to leapfrog guys like Freeney, Mathis, and Jared Allen, who have been waiting there, especially Freeney and Allen, who were who were finalists last year? And with Antonio Gates, like he has the most touchdowns for a tight end all time, the most touchdowns. That that's that's what you do. Like you're supposed to score. And he has scored more than any other tight end in history. And he's top three in both catches and, and, and yards. So I think there will be some serious discussions to put both of those, those two in in their first year. It could be also, like I said, Chapin, the, the get in line, if it's not quite enough to put them over the top as quote-unquote first-time uh, first time uh, selections to the to the Hall of Fame. Maybe there's some movement to put Gates in line behind the wide receivers or with the wide receivers. See, th- but, he, but that's the discussion you're going to have in a couple months. He, he was probably maybe the first that he, he wasn't really the hybrid. I don't think he he was more of a tight end. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like like at a lesser level. But he cut. was tilting that way. I right. think. So so do you throw him in for as receivers? You know, with with these guys now, with, with the Kelseys and all these guys, they're they're darn near receivers. And it's funny when when when, when contract time comes up, these guys want to be considered receivers, right? Not tight ends, right? So, but it'll, it'll be interesting. I think by and large, unless a guy, doggone, unless a guy is, you mention his name, Peyton Manning, and then you sit down, <laughs> that's a, that's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. It just is. The, the thing that I've argued is we, we've been a little liberal. With first ballot guys, I don't mean Demarc Swear, mm-hmm. but there's two or three guys that I still think maybe they are a Hall of Famer, but they're certainly not first ballot. I just think that you you just have to check every box to be a first ballot guy, and I don't see those guys here. And Julius Peppers was a stud for a long he time. He was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it just depends on what your flavor is, and we're going to meet for the first time in person in the gosh, hey, in, yeah. in four or five years. Well, since, cool. since COVID, yeah. And it's a little better. We're going to have 50 of us in the room, and whether we're going to, I don't know where we're going to meet, Dallas or wherever we're going to meet, not Super Bowl. But it's really interesting the process because when we're done and we announce the five and all this, people say, Well, I can't believe this guy didn't get in. Mm-hmm. Well, who'd you want to leave out? Well, I don't want to leave anybody out. Right. I want, no, no, you, you get, get five. five a year. You get That's five. It. You get five. So, but it'll be interesting. And, like with Edge, with Reggie, you just 
you just keep knocking on the door. And one of these days, I remember when Edge finally got in, they always call you that you got in or you didn't get in. They try to let you let you know right away. And Edge, you know, three times, four times, five times, he gets a call that, well, sorry, you didn't get in. The year he got in, he almost didn't answer the phone. He was sleeping. Yep. So, you know, you've, all, you've always got to sort of, maybe this is a year. R- Reggie is getting frustrated, I know, because he knows, he, he just knows that you've got to kind of wait your turn and all that. But right. hopefully this is a year for he and Freeney. It's frustrating because, you, like, you, you've already done whatever you everything you can do. What, like, there's what nothing new more angle can you I, can what, do. What's my new angle? And, I, I don't know. And as a guy like that, a guy who was a competitor in the NFL for 14, 15 right. years, you're used to trying to control so much and control what you can, and now it's completely out of your control. Right. So, so I get why it's frustrating, but but like you said, it I, you think it's you really have a strong inclination that it's going to happen eventually. Hopefully this year for Reg, uh, many Colts fans believe, and we'll see about Syracuse legend Dwight Freeney as well. I, I, I think, I think definitely worthy of getting worthy in there too. For sure. and, one, and one of the the, the the bad downsides of this is with with Freeney is he's totally overshadowing Robert Mathis, right? Who is who? Who by the way is the franchise sack mm-hmm. leader and the NFL's all time strip sack leader. Yes, yep. So it's like, oh yeah, Robert Mathis. No, <laughs> Robert too. Mathis. Yeah. So so, but uh, that, that's why you have to kind of get these guys out of the way, get Reggie out of the way, get Torrey Holt out of the way, one of them, and you got to get Dwight out of the way so that Robert can. Right. Didn't get his name up there. All those things. All right. Let's move on to week three in the NFL as the Colts travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Game will be broadcast at one o'clock. If you're in central Indiana, that'll be on CBS four. 15th matchup all time between these two teams. Colts hold the eight to six series advantage. The last time they met was 2021 when the Colts had a big lead in the fourth quarter and just could not stop Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews. It was Mark Andrews. It was Mark Andrews. It was it was driving down the field, touchdown, two-point conversion. It was driving down the field, touchdown, two-point conversion. Stop one of them. You couldn't stop anything. One, one play. Yep. Like, you, you asked the offense to hopefully give you something there. I get that. But the defense did nothing. Could not stop t- the, them on one play. And it wasn't like there were big plays. Was they it had. 22 it was just, to 3? What was it? It was something ludicrous. In the second half, it might have been 22 to 3. Yes. And then the final score was uh, 31-25 on a Monday night football game there in Baltimore. The Ravens this year are 2-0. They are in first place in the AFC North. They beat the Texans, just like the Colts did. Uh, Final score was 25-9. That was at home. Then they went to Cincinnati and beat the Bengals on the road, 27-24 there in Week 2, to stay uh, undefeated on the season. Lamar Jackson is the uh, engine that makes the offense go. He's completing nearly 75% of his passes. Pretty good for a running back, right? And uh, has thrown for two touchdowns, one interception. Has 18 rushes for 92 yards, averaging 5.1 yards per carry to the team's second-leading rush. So, Chap, these are not MVP caliber numbers from Jackson yet, but he is doing enough, and he's being efficient with the football. Like I said, 75% completions is really, really good. So you, you you figure if I'm looking at his numbers, I figure bigger plays are out there for him. You just hope that doesn't come against your team. You're going to try to make sure that you still don't give him those big opportunities to make big plays. Because even like I, I was talking to, we, we were talking to Shaquille Leonard in the locker room today. I asked him just about the the challenge of facing a guy where it's six, seven, eight seconds in coverage. You still have to be in coverage because Lamar could be running back and forth. It's not like you know the defensive line is going to get him after six or seven seconds. He could keep going. He could be running around everyone and still looking downfield trying to make a play. It is a unique challenge that the Colts are going to face in trying to stop him this weekend. With all these quarterbacks like this, and there's more and more of them, is they, they just they just beat the defense. You can have the perfect defense. You can play the perfect defense for three or four seconds, five seconds. And then he's out out the back door, 
and it's got to be just deflating. And again, go back to that game where they blew the big lead. He just made plays. Yep. You know, yeah, the Colts didn't stop him, but he kept making plays. So I think one thing that 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 will benefit a little bit for the defense is they have faced this kind of guy in the offseason and in training camp with Richardson. I mean, not to say it's it's the same type of guy what he can do on, on with his legs and all this. So, but it's just it's frustrating when you can have the perfect defense called and executed, and he beats it because he's that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Matt, there is a slight like there is a they have a new offense this year. They I think they let their uh, offensive coordinator go in the offseason. They have a new one, and like he, it's a slightly different offense that we've seen from them in the past. He was actually under center quite a bit, as you noted here this last week against the Bengals in in your in your preview that you put together for us. Yeah, um, I was just kind of looking through some stuff, trying to you know do a little bit of a scouting report yeah. on the other team and stuff. Scouting report and, with Matt Adams. You know, he he was on uh, under center for twenty three percent of his or uh, for yeah for sixteen mm-hmm. plays, twenty three percent of his plays. Uh, in their game against the Bengals and then like for his career um, or for last season he was only under center for 11.5% of snaps and that's a pretty significant difference there it means that's they're double not, th- yeah sure. they're, they're not always doing you know the shotgun or pistol read option stuff that they're kind of known for yeah they have a wide receiver a rookie who uh, our former producer here Joe Hopkins was really high on in the in the preseason in the draft process it was Zay Flowers out of Boston College and through two games he is He's looked pretty good. He has 13 catches, 140 yards. Three of those catches are for 20 yards or more. Um, and we have seen a couple of good performances from wide receivers against the Colts so far, chap. So once again, it looks like that secondary is going to be put to the test by not only this rookie, Odell Beckham Jr., if he can play, if he is healthy enough to play. Tight end Mark Andrews, who has beaten them to death, as you showed in the past. He had, a, was it 147 yards that game? I don't even remember. It was But a it was the most... It's the second most against the franchise, the most in the end era. So, and they, they that, that was back when they just, tight ends just torched them. Yep. I, I couldn't quite bring myself to look up the box score yeah, on that. Yeah, you one. just couldn't do it. I just, the, the, the memory of, of losing the, the game in overtime was enough. A, a unique thing about Baltimore is they're a team that has come up, at least in trade discussion, well, not trade discussions, in, in trade rumors, I should say, or teams that, uh, other people like national prognosticators could think are interested in trading for Jonathan Taylor because their star starting running back J.K. Dobbins is out for the season after tearing his Achilles in week one Uh, in his place it's been a uh, running back duo of Gus Edwards and Justice Hill Um, Gus Edwards the more uh, productive of the two so far is 18 carries for 94 yards uh, and a touchdown and those two running backs split carries in in week two against the Bengals so um, so Matt I was talking we we're chap and I were discussing this kind of on, on the way over here today we we're saying that like th- there's no rush I don't think for Baltimore and trying to trade if they want even if they want to trade for Jonathan Taylor because they have two guys now that they're just kind of feeling out they're seeing how they work in the offense and this is something with other teams could be too early in the season, trying to go through three or four weeks, seeing who you have on your roster, seeing exactly how much you could really benefit from another running back. So, hey, you know, if you want Jonathan Taylor to be traded, root for the Colts to stop the run game today because you're trying to show Baltimore that they need a different running back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that there were a lot of, uh, we, we saw what happened, unfortunately, to Nick Chubb, you know, oh, for, for Cleveland. And then there was a lot of that heat, not not from local guys or anything, but just from the, the local people. Well, hey, Jonathan Taylor's available here. Maybe they'll go and trade for him. They went out and got Kareem Hunt, who has been a guy who had uh, worked out, I believe, with, with the Colts. Um, you know, and, and then you've got kind of the same thing here with, with Baltimore, that sort of that heat from the national people that, oh, maybe they'll trade for Jonathan Taylor now. Well, eh, we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know, they could trade, they could trade him to Baltimore 
and leave him leave him in Baltimore. You just leave him there. But he's not. But he's not going to make the trip. <laughs> See, that's the problem. He's, he's not going to go with him. Yeah. Which we, we we could do an entire story. Send him on a Mayflower to, uh, about, to Baltimore. About <laughs> why isn't he around the franchise for crying out loud, Taylor? On the road for games, I don't care. But right. he, he wasn't there. Wasn't there at the home opener. Wasn't there on and the sideline. He, he, you know, from everything we've been told, he he does his workout. He does his rehab. Which he put a little clip out there last. He did one little clip shows that he's out there. Yep. He's working out. And, and then he leaves. I mean, so then in two weeks you just say, okay, come on back, and we're you know, kumbaya. So I, in two weeks, hopefully, yeah, this is decided. Shane Steichen also as uh, was asked this week about John. How Taylor. tired of it is that? Is, is, I, I I can't imagine. Like I. I feel for him in some sense, and then the other sense I don't feel for him because that's this his job. Jo- this is your yeah. job. Exactly. Like, you you got to answer the tough questions. You're the head coach now. You're not the offensive coordinator anymore. You're not a wide receivers coach. You're the head job. You're the guy who's speaking as kind of the face of the franchise uh, or the uh, the voice of the franchise Correct. every week. It's not Chris Ballard who's out there. We'd, I'd talk to Chris. If it was Jim Irsay, we'd talk to Jim. But but it's you, Shane. So so you're the guy who's kind of in charge that we get to ask about it. And he said basically, like, I know you guys have a job to do, but I'm going to refrain from a- answering any questions about Jonathan Taylor. We we we, we look to get him back. Yeah, we look to get weeks. him back. We were something like that. So, but I'm, questions will keep coming, especially if Taylor keeps posting videos. Um, and the one thing we were talking to me in the media room, and fans probably don't care, but at some point after whatever weeks, and we could take this back to training camp with Shane Steichen is you get to know what he's going to talk about and what he's not going to talk about. Yeah. You just know yep. because he, he deflects or, or just doesn't answer. But you still have to ask, ask the question. Right. You just do. And it's not being, you know, we, he, I think it was Taylor was brought up two or three times on Wednesday. And when he says what he says, okay, now if you want to be really snarky, you, you ask three or four more follow-ups. Right. Which it's serves, pointless. It serves no purpose. It, it's putting you in the spotlight. Yeah. But, you have to ask the question because about you know I've been around long enough. The one day you don't ask a question, something happens, and then the right. next day they say, "Well, you didn't ask me." Right. So, but it's for a lot of reasons this needs to be resolved in two or three weeks. Will it be? I don't know. But please, let's get this thing over with, so we're not always going down that rabbit hole of right now. There's no information. Yeah, back to the the game itself. The uh, Colts will be facing a Baltimore defense that is historically one of the toughest to play in the NFL. They have a scheme that uh, under Wink Martindale for years, who's now with the Giants, uh, was one of the most creative in terms of uh, what they do with their front seven and try to confuse the opposing quarterback, which, like I said earlier, would be a great test for Anthony Richardson if he can be out there. But either way, it'll be a good test for Gardner Minshew, too. He'll have to be on his P's and Q's and uh, try to decipher what they're doing before the snap so that he can have the best idea of what he wants to do after the snap with the ball. They have a couple really good linebackers in Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. Uh, defensive back Brandon Stevens also uh, has, is, has been had a pretty solid season so far. But they do have some injuries. Uh, safety Marcus Williams, I don't know if they're going to happen for the season with a pectoral injury. Marlon Humphrey, their star cornerback, has been out with a foot injury. Um, so, th- so there's a lot of guys that, that, that could be missing this week for, for Baltimore as they try to get ready for for the Colts so I mean if, if you and that's something chap if you have a bunch of backups coming in in a uh in a non-vanilla scheme in a unique scheme like it, it there's the more of the opportunity for for mistakes or breakdowns to happen then you need the offense that needs to be able to to see those mistakes and, and, and capitalize on them in, in an Anthony Richardson offense has a chance to do that how much will they give Gardner Minshew a chance to do that it's a good question. It is so hard in any game to think you're going to go 10, 12 plays. Against Baltimore, it's really hard. Yeah. Peyton you always used to say that 
that when you played Baltimore, it was going to be ugly because they were going to win a lot of a lot of plays. But there were going to be times, and when you when it was there, you get you had to strike. You have to strike. And how, how many times will the Colts think they have that, that they'll take the risk? Because that generally is not Gardner Minshew. It's not, uh, and, and it's not. It's, it's just who he is. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that it's a knock on him. It's, it's who he is. What was it they said to the guys at the, on, at the game on Sunday that when Richardson went out, that Steichen said, "Now listen, we're going to run the read option, or or the run run whatever, and and the run's not part of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're not going to be running it, but uh, it's going to be a different game plan. It will be because they're different quarterbacks. So." Uh, I'm curious how much reins they take off of Minshew when they don't want mistakes in a game that's going to be tough anyway. Yeah, some notes from this matchup. Baltimore has nearly double the explosive plays the Colts have. Colts have five, Baltimore has nine, and they've kind of split between their passing and run game. Colts haven't had a 20-plus yard play in the run game all year. All year in two 18, games. Was it eighteen? Is that? Yeah, it was close. Richardson's close. It was very so close. close. Richardson could have gone more than eighteen yards. It looked like he, on he would have run for a hundred. Exactly. Yeah, he might have. Could you imagine? I was sitting there watching that game. The type of game he might have had, yeah, had he stayed healthy. I, I tweeted out after that second touchdown. I was like, he's going to have some monster fantasy oh. games this year, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's out of the game. But right. like he he looked like he was in complete control. So I look forward to seeing what he does uh, against Houston at home in, in a couple weeks, whenever they face Houston later on this season, because that, that defense looked like it, it had no answer for him at it's all. It's like they didn't even know he, he could actually run like, the oh, ball. Quarterbacks can do that, yeah. And with D'Amico Ryan's defense, that was not right. what I expected was, uh, at all. Um, the uh, offensive ranks, the Colts are 13th in the league. Ravens are 19th, so n- n- neither of them a great offense, passing yards so far. Uh, for this year on uh, the run game the Ravens are sixth in the league so they're one of the better run teams in the league Colts still down there 20th and that uh, climb up after week one where they were uh, one of the bottom two or three teams 29th or whatever yeah they were way way down there after that uh, suboptimal week one so you hope for more of that what they saw in your week two but without Richardson you're not going to get that that boost either that he gave them for the first couple drives scoring offense they both have scored 26 points per game on average they are tied in the NFL at 10th Defensive ranks, the Colts are uh, near the bottom in terms of yards allowed per game. In uh, in passing, they're nearly allowing 290 yards passing per game. Ravens are middle of the pack, right around 200 yards per game. The uh, rushing game, that's the Colts' strength on rush defense. They're allowing less than 80 yards per game. They lead the NFL in fewest yards per rush right now. They're allowing 2.6 yards per rush. That speaks to Buckner and Grover up the middle Absolutely. right now. Yeah. And what's amazing is they gave up, wasn't it that garbage 26-yarder against Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Which, yep. I mean, you know, they say take that out. Well, that's 2-6 with that in, on a short sample size. So they've been stout against a run, and that's that needs to be there all year. And, again, when you have a quarterback like Jackson, he's really going to stress your uh, – Run defense. And the Ravens have also been really good against the run. They are actually sixth. They're one spot above the Colts in, in rush defense. They're averaging only 69 yards given up per game, but a whole yard more per carry, like 3.6 yards per carry. Teams just are running more against the Colts um, and uh, and just not gaining any yards for because they're trying to – Jacksonville is trying to run out the clock. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I don't know why they're, they're, they're quite so much. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in this game. Both have gotten after the quarterback reasonably. Colts have eight sacks in two games. Ravens have six. 
scoring defense. Ravens are allowing only 16 points per game. That helps out with the nine points allowed against Houston in week one. Uh, Colts 19th in the NFL, allowing 25.5 points per game. So those are our our offensive and defensive notes as we get into uh, week three. The biggest question, of course, is who's going to start. We're not going to know that until Saturday afternoon, if not Sunday morning. Yeah, we may not know. Yes, because he might not be cleared until Sunday morning. And once he's cleared, then you make the decision. The decision. Um, also, who's going to play in front of him? Will Quentin Nelson play? Probably. Will yes. Ryan Kelly play? Yeah. Chap says already yes for Quentin Nelson. Quentin, like, like, no chance. I, 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 he, I saw him in the locker room. There wasn't bone sticking out of his foot. Right. So he <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be good. So you figure he's going to be okay. Will Zach Moss uh, do what he did last week? Uh, will anybody spell him at all in Baltimore? Will and and if, if they do, who? Yeah. Who will it be? You know, the, who's it? Trevor uh, Sermon they signed? Uh, Sermon. Trey, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon. Yes. Ohio State product out of uh, out of who was in Philly in the preseason. They they want a backs by committee, but you need a committee, right? The, that the, you trust. The committee right now. It's a committee is, of one right now. Yeah, that's about all you get. Um, so that'll bring us to our predictions for this week. The Ravens are favored by seven and a half points right now. The over under is set at about forty six. So the uh, the uh, the boys in in Vegas expecting a twenty six nineteen ball game right around there. Uh, in in Baltimore between these two teams. Uh, I'll start off with my prediction. We'll go to Matt and then Chap to wrap things up. Um, I think this is a tough test, and especially if Richardson doesn't play. Uh, Gardner Minshew against the Ravens, I I don't think that you can consistently go 10 plays for for points. Like, you might be able to do that a couple times, or the defense could get you a couple sudden change opportunities to get you points. Um, but if you and the kicker better be on point because points are going to yep. be at a, premium. at a premium, I think. So, so at that, and all that to say, I, and I think the Ravens have another another gear. Richard uh, Lamar Jackson specifically that that he hasn't uh, really hit yet this year. He's getting better by the week, I would think, in 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 the new offensive system that they have there. So, testing against the Colts secondary, which did not look great last week against rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins at wide receiver for crying out loud. I think that Zay Flowers, Nodell Beckham and Mark Andrews is a step up from that competition. Lamar Jackson is obviously a step up from that competition. That offense is going to be pretty good, I think, for the Ravens. I, I think that I think that Baltimore wins this game. I'll go with 27 to 16. Um, I think that they control things. They uh, that that the Colts just they, they don't have the firepower to keep up, especially if Richardson is not in the game and Lamar is able to do a little, little bit more of what, what we've seen from him before. So Matt, we'll go next and then Chap to wrap things up. Uh, pretty close to your thoughts on that. Tough environment to play. It's going to be a good defense. Uh, I know that the Colts defense will probably play well, but I think they will give up some plays in the secondary because, because that's what we've seen from them. Uh, I'm going to go 27 to 13 Ravens in this one. That's some of the str- troubles, like saying that like the, the Colts defense, the, the, the front can have a good game. They can, like we've said before on this podcast you can play 65 snaps and if uh, the offensive lineman uh, whiffs on three of those then it's a bad game for the right. same with the defensive lineman if, if they're have three great snaps then it could be a tremendous game for them but those other 60 whatever snaps I think the Colts defensive line could have a good game absolutely but at the same yeah. time if, if they're prote- if Lamar Jackson is protected for 60 61 of 65 snaps then that secondary I think is going to be really under under siege chap what do you think yeah the, the only bad thing about me going last is <laughs> then, then, we, we took all the info. I, well, no, the score. Oh yeah, because I wrote down twenty-seven thirteen or twenty-seven thirteen. Hey, look uh, at that. because I got I used to Joe used to get on me about picking the same score as him, so I, I write it <laughs> I write it down. I do not, and care. then you'd still pick the same score as right, Joe. <laughs> right. I, I just think it's going to be a tough game offensively. I think the defense will hold up 
for a while, maybe into the third quarter. But then at some point, the stress will get to you where the offense is either getting a 45-yard field goal from Matt Gay and, and not much else. Uh, I just think Minshew's – you need to find ways to get the ball downfield occasionally against a defense like this. And it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be tough day offensively, and the defense is just going to be up just enough bad. Like you say, three or four plays, and the game's over. So 27-13, uh, I guess I would – side with vegas on this yeah so uh so that's what it looks like from our perspective you can follow us on twitter at colts blue zone once again throughout the week for injury news and notes anything that might have to do with uh leading up to the game uh mike's work is online at fox59.com or cbs4indy.com whichever you might prefer uh, for your viewing pleasure um and you can follow us all on twitter matt adams is at statamatty mike is at mchapel 51 I am at Dave G underscore sports. We appreciate you listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we'll see you next week after week three leading into week four of this NFL season. Take care, everyone.